Good morning, everyone. My name is Miranda. You, uh, you can call me Pastor Miranda, Miranda, Mer, anything you like. I am the campus community pastor of SIBKL. Thank you guys for coming. There are a bunch of them here who is here to just support me. And um, in case you've been wondering, it's been a while since I've been up here. Um, actually, yeah, it's been yeah, a couple of months, I think, and I'm really excited to actually bring the Word. But before I bring the Word of God to you, I just want to honour and acknowledge a wonderful group of people who are here in our midst. You see these um, wonderful, handsome men right there in red? They, they stick out really, really uh, wonderfully because they are from our very newly established ministry which is called Ability Recovery Ministry. I hope I got that right. Did I get it right? Yeah. You know, there's Vikas, there is Leonard, I believe, and that's Ken right there. So you're wondering what do they do here? It is because we have just started this ministry where we want to encourage people who are, um, you know, disabled, maybe from stroke, you know, something happened to them. And we want to create a space for them to come even into the house of God because we believe that in the presence of God, there is healing. Amen. Come on, because we really believe that God's presence is here, and I pray that you guys will be blessed. Thank you so much for serving the ministry. I believe that there are more people who are in the ministry as well, which I don't get to acknowledge, but if you want to find out more about the ministry, feel free to go and talk to them, and I believe that they are going to be blessed, and they're going to be healed in Jesus' name. Amen? All right. So, once again, well, everyone, are you guys ready for the word? Yeah, it is officially... One day after Chinese New Year. Hey, Chinese New Year is over already, which means back to reality. But I think Pastor Kim is still celebrating because she's still wearing a jongsam. Yeah, totally putting you on the spot right there. You know, now it's after the holidays, after the breaks, and all the work starts now, right? You know, the party's over. Um, you know, I hope you actually had a very good chagome with your loved ones, your families. Anyone went and throw oranges? Don't put up your hands. Actually, I should be the one throwing. I'm still single. But, I mean, I am cooking the best thing, which is the sermon today. I was getting ready, and I'm really very excited to bring the Word of God to you. Okay. Okay, I'm going to start right now. Anyone here heard of this thing called the Golden Rule? Anyone heard of that? Can someone give me a shout if you know what the golden rule is? Anyone? <laughs> Not that, bro. Okay, I'm going to give it to you, okay? Someone actually got it right in the other service in SMCC. It says, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Anyone heard of that one? Yeah. So I'm sure you've heard of this phrase here. And whether you're actually a Christian or you're a religious person or not, it actually makes sense, right? It applies to every single one of us. As long as you have a conscience, you, are, you have a functional brain, and you have some conscience in your mind, it applies to you. So the interesting, powerful thing is this is actually found in the Bible. It is in the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 12. Wow. So the golden rule is actually really great until you're being mistreated. Huh? can still apply or not, you know, this, this word, right? So it feels like it's the right thing and the just thing to do. You know, when someone mistreats you, you have the right to mistreat them back. Oh, yeah. But when people mistreat you, does this rule actually apply? Does this golden rule actually apply? Otherwise, this particular statement actually feels very unfair, right? You know, what it's saying here is that it means if you're going to do unto others as, as you would others do unto you, you are basically saying that I want to come 
to the same level playing field with you. If you are treating me like that, that I have a very low value, I'm going to treat you the same as well because you deserve it. In other words, it means I want to get even with you. Okay? But what does the Bible say about getting even with someone? You know, the problem with getting even, it makes you even with someone that you don't even like. Have you ever thought about that? That means if you say, this guy is super foolish, super annoying, and when you get even with the person, you're also annoying, right? True or not? Right? So the problem with getting even, it, it makes you even with that someone that you don't like. So I want to just discover this for a bit, you know, because what it means here is that how you treat others reveals your true character. Everyone say, don't get even. <laughs> so we're going to be reading from the book of Samuel. As you know, we are still studying the book of Samuel here. And in this part, we have been studying a lot about David running away in his fugitive years. He was chased by, by Saul and he, he wasn't even welcome even in his home country. He was trying to stay away from the Philistines. And then in the same time, he was just trying to find a refuge somewhere. Because during this time, we are reading the book of Samuel, right? So we have landed finally on chapter 25. We will be learning about David, of course, and we are also going to be studying another two more characters, two more people who are husbands and wives, and their names are Nabal and Abigail. So let us pray, pray right now, right? Okay, come, let's pray. Father God, I just really want to pray and thank you, Lord Father, for this morning that I really believe, Lord Father, that this is the day that you have made and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. You are so good to us and I pray and believe, Lord Father, that you have a fresh word and a fresh anointing where you want to speak to us today. In Jesus' most precious name and all God's people say, Amen. So, as I mentioned, we're going to be studying Nabal, David and Abigail. So how you treat others reveals your true character. So let's take a look at these three characters right now. So the first character is Nabal. You know, when he was in a situation, what he did in chapter 25, which we will study later, is that he repaid evil for good. And that labels him in his character where Nabal is called foolish. And then David, he repaid evil for evil. And David here, unfortunately, he is called average. And then the third person here, she repaid good for evil, and that is Abigail. And Abigail is revealed to be admirable. So the first character here, we're going to study a good first character. You guys ready? All right, good. So we're going to be studying Nabal right now. We're going to read the Word of God. We're going to read from the top, okay? So now Samuel died and all Israel assembled and mourned for him. And they buried him at his home in Ramah. Then David moved down into the desert of Paran. A certain man in Maon, who had the property there uh, at Carmel, was very wealthy. So that's Nabal right there. He's very wealthy. And he had a thousand goats and three thousand sheep, which he was sharing in Carmel. And of course, his name was Nabal. And his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent, she was beautiful, she's a wonderful woman. But Nabal, her husband, was surly and mean, oh my, in his dealings, and he was called a Calebite. 
David heard in the wilderness that the Baal was shearing his sheep. So why is Nabal deemed to be foolish? So I was, uh, you know, the interesting thing is that Nabal, his name itself is named Foolish. Wow, it's like as if, you know, like the parents, and you say, hey, I'm going to name my son Fool today. Hey, Fool, 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 come here, come here. You know, that kind of thing. And, you know, it made me wonder that, is that really his real name? Or is it just like, because of his character, the way he carried himself, it made people nickname him and labeled him that way, that he is a fool. On the other hand, Abigail, his wife, was deemed to be wise. She's deemed to be discerning. She's deemed to be beautiful. And I was like, oh God, I would love to be called beautiful, discerning, and intelligent man. And I want to be like Abigail, you know. And as I was actually looking at names, and I wanted to dig a bit deeper about Nabal's name. And Nabal, actually, the word surly and mean also means he is fat-tempered, he is unfriendly, he is uh, mean, he's hard, he's also stubborn. When, you know, well, nobody want to hang out with people like that, right? And that is Nabal for you. And unfortunately, he really lived up to that name. That he really lived up to the name of being called a fool. And we're going to study why. You know, why is it that that's the case, okay? So when you read the scripture here in 1 Samuel 25 verse 4, David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing sheep. That's what happened. And this is actually a really very important detail. Why? Because shearing sheep at that time for um, shepherders and the goat herders was like harvest to farmers. That means like, you know, they are receiving, you know, their crops, you know, or receiving what, what is good. And then this is when they get paid for their work done. They had plenty. It was a time where it was good. It is usually a time that was celebrated. It was actually a feast moment. That is when normally most of them will be the most generous because it is a season of abundance. You know, but what happened here was that let's take a look at how Nabal approached David at that time when David actually went to see Nabal and say that, hey, can you share a little bit with me? So this is what happened, how Nabal approached David. So, uh, you know, so he sent 10 young men, that was how David went to see Nabal, you know, and, and said to them, go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name and say to him, long live to you, good health to you and your household and good health to all that is yours. Now I hear that it is sheep shearing time, so that means you have a lot. You know, when your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them, we treat them really very well and you know, the, the whole time, there was nothing that was lost at Carmel, you know, nothing was missing and everything was good. So ask your own servant, they will tell you, I no, no lie one, no cap, you know, like, I, I, I'm telling you the truth, you know, that, that I really treat your people very well. So therefore, because I did that, right, you should be favorable towards my men. Because since it is festive time, please give your servant, your son David, what, uh, your, uh, whatever you can find for them. So when David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name. And then they waited. So let me just dig a little bit deeper about this, you know. David at that time, he actually had 600 men with sword with him. He could have just went to Nabal by force and said, hey, 
I help you there. I take care of all your sheep. I take care of all your uh, all shepherds and all that, right? Now is the time you should give back to me because, you know, it is normal. Uh, you should do it, you know. But David did differently. What he did was that he did a peaceful delegation that he actually went to see. Um, he sent only 10 young men to go and see him. His greeting was a very peaceful, right? And what he did was say, hey, long live to you. It's a little bit like saying, you know, when you watch all these like um, traditional emperor shows, the Chinese emperor shows, right? You say, one sui, one sui, one, one sui, man sui, man sui, man, man sui. That's essentially what he and his 10 men actually did. He wasn't harsh at all. He asked at a time when the Baal had a lot. He had plenty. You know, it is not a place of hardship for him because he is rich and also, it is also a time of harvest. It is not a time of famine. So actually, Nabal had a lot and David came on a good day. It's a good season. He also reminded Nabal that I protected your sheep. I protected your shepherds. So actually, I should read some of the benefits, right? Because I did help, kan? Yeah, it is reasonable for me to ask for it. But how did Nabal treat David? Let's take a look, okay? So Nabal answered David's servant and said, Who is this David? Ah? Who is this son of Jesse? I don't even know who he is. Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days, so I don't know who this fellow is. Why should I take my bread and water, the meat that I have slaughtered for my shearers, and give it to the man coming from who knows where, all, right? You know, David's men, when they heard that, they turned around, went back, and when they arrived, they reported every work. So essentially, what happened here was that Nabal mocked David. He's saying, who is this man? Well, you know, this guy, useless one, you know, like he's like a nobody to me. You know, he's like a fugitive running away from Saul. What makes him think that he can deserve a table and share the table with me? No way, man. You know, he is not my level. That's what he's saying. So Nabal, actually, he's someone who has plenty. He has a lot. He's, he's, he has, he's at his state of bountifulness. He was unfortunately not generous and he was selfish. What was the root of his behaviour? You can find it in this scripture and the word that encapsulates it all is pride. He was in the house holding a banquet like that of a king. He was in high spirits and he was very, very drunk. Pride. Like Nabal, this is the root of his pride and his ungratefulness. He behaved like a king, thinking like, you know, I'm the king, this is my thing, this belongs to me. And he forgot and did not acknowledge God. He basically lifted himself above God. Stinginess comes from the seed of pride when you're selfish. Observe Nabal's choice of words. He says here, you know, why should I take my bread, my water, and the meat that I have slaughtered for my shearers? Why should I give it to you? My, 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 my. It all belongs to me. And take root of that word pride. You know, the alphabet right in the middle is I. It's all about me, 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 me. It sounds like the song, right? You know, his behaviour was destructive. His behaviour of not acknowledging God being the one that is his resource, the one that supplies for him, does not exemplify a kind character. 
Prideful people are ungrateful and ungrateful people are not generous. You know, Scripture here, it says, you know, the most grateful, or rather this statement here, it says the most grateful people are the most generous people. Amen? You know, Scripture here, it says, whoever despises his, his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. You know, the consequences of pride and stinginess is great. It is found in Scripture. It says here, God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and that He may lift you up in due time. You know the word oppose, it means battle against. That's a really, very strong word. It is actually a military term. And God is saying here is that when you are proud, I will fight you. You know, like, I will fight you. It's an army term. Because, because also in Scripture, it says, everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. Wow, harsh. Abomination means God detests it. He hates it. Everyone, no exception, everyone who is proud in the heart will be hated by God. You know, God is, when God is angry, He is angry, man. You know, He will not let you go. You know, God does not want our people to be proud. And notice the certainty here. It says, He will not go unpunished. So let's take a look at what happened to Nabal, who happened to be prideful. Then in the morning, when Nabal was sober, the wife told him all these things which actually happened later and his heart failed him and he became like a stone. Maybe, you know, we don't know what happened to him. It could be a stroke or a heart attack or something like that. And about 10 days later, it is the Lord that struck Nabal and he died. Wow, Scripture does not joke. When you are prideful, you know, God detests it. The certainty of the danger of pride because pride goes before you and destructs you. You know, when you are at the top of the world, you're actually the lowest at God's kingdom. What I mean by that is that when you put yourself above God, you are low in the eyes of God. Be careful, because if you take the place of God and you build your own throne, you're at the lowest at God's eyes. You know, being generous may not necessarily just relate to finances, yeah? What kind of person are you? Friends, church, family, I just want you to think about this. What kind of person are you? Are you a taker or are you also a giver? Have you ever felt that, you know, you were mistreated, that you're always the one giving and then there's this one person that is always taking? You know, you could be at the other side of the coin, a taker or a giver. And have you ever felt that way, that you were mistreated unfairly? I'm gonna share a story. This was um, during the time when um, I graduated in Australia and I landed myself in my first job. And I felt that I was kind of, I think I was kind of exploited a little bit because I was a foreigner there. And um, I got into this um, consulting engineering company and um, because I graduated as an accountant, right? And I just grabbed whatever job I could. Lah, and I ended up in this company where they put me in the finance department, rightfully. And what happened was that instead of giving me the accounts payable role which I applied for, I was given a role to do filing. I was literally doing filing for all the invoices and slips and payments for a good nine months. And 
Over there, when I was working, there was this young graduate accountant. She was, I believe, the same age as me, and she's Australian, and um, so she's a local there, and I remember, you know, this is what happened. Like, she gave me this very obvious vibe that she just don't like me, oh. I also don't know why, eh. You know, like, when I, because I have to file all these papers for the graduate accountants, I'm like, just a filer, even though, you know, I was supposed to be an accounts payable officer. And um, I had to always go to a table, get her papers, and then I'll help her to file it. But whenever I talk to her, she will drooling her eyes at me, like, like as if I, I'm worth nothing. And I could sense it, because girls are very sensitive, right? You know, we can kind of sense this kind of thing. And I was like, what did I do to you all? Like, why do you keep giving me this kind of, like, attitude and all that, right? And because of that, right, I felt that I dreaded going to work. That sometimes I even pray to God that I will not see her. And sometimes, and I remember there's this one time, she took leave for a long time because she went on holiday. I was so happy to go to work, you know. You know, I was so happy because she was not there. And then, um, you know, I really believe that God finally has his own sense of humor, right? So what happened was this. There's this one day, I was walking into the lift heading to work. And then when the lift opened, ding, I saw her. She was inside the lift and I got the shock of my life. Then I look at her and I say, you live here? And she's like, yeah, I live upstairs. I was like, what? Oh my goodness. Like, God, why you never answer my prayers? I say, I don't want to see her so often. And what happened was that now I found out that he actually, she actually lives just above me. And now I even prayed a different prayer. God, I pray that I will never bump into her in the lift ever again so that, you know, we don't meet each other at the lift because it would be so, so awkward. But God, you know, in His grace and mercy because He loves me so much, he didn't answer that prayer. So I actually ended up bumping into her in the lifts more often, you know, because we had to take the same bus together. So whenever I was like, God, you know, whenever a lift opened, I almost like pray every time that she doesn't appear inside because she lives upstairs. But so many times I bump into her and it gets so awkward in the lift because she doesn't want to talk to me. And then sometimes when she walks out of the lift, right, she'll walk faster. She'll walk faster so that she doesn't even walk, you know, with me, you know, together. Not even even, right? And, and sometimes I purposely walk slower so that I don't walk at the same pace as her. And that is how bad our relationship is. That I get so frustrated, I'm so annoyed because I feel like, what have I done to you that I've not done anything wrong? I've done all my filings right. And then you got the higher position. You are the graduate accountant. I'm the accounts payable officer or maybe the filing girl. But why do you treat me like that? You know, I did my work well, but it felt like as if she was the taker I was constantly the giver. You know, the some of you here can relate to a situation like this, that somebody just don't like you for no reason one. Or maybe like, maybe something did happen, but they just don't want to tell you. Or maybe it could be an incident where, um, you know, this is a true story, you know, like classmates, when you do assignments together, you're doing good group work and things like that, right? And then there's this one person that does all the work, but the other people get the credit one more, right? They're all the takers. And then like, what happened to this friend of mine that really happened to her was that all these people just kind of like betrayed her. Even though she did all the work, but these people got the credits, they got the distinction, but they contribute almost close to none. And they didn't even thank her at all. Are you on the bow or are you on David's side? Are you a taker or are you a giver? You know, some of us, maybe it could be friendships. You know, like you are constantly giving, helping this friend emotionally. You know, like whenever they are down, you're there for them. And when you're down and when you need help, no one squeak also don't have. They are nowhere to be found. 
And maybe to some extent, it could be also parent and child relationship. As a parent, sometimes you feel un, you know, unappreciated that you poured so much to your kids, you poured so much to your children, but your children mistreat you, disrespect you, they are un unappreciative, and they don't, care, they don't you know, share any signs of gratitude to you. Can you relate to those feelings? Do you know a Nabal in your life? Or are you a Nabal yourself? Are you a taker and not a giver? It could be a moment in time also like you've been coming to church for a long time and perhaps you have some gifts, you have some skills, you have some resources, you know. Would you share when you have plenty? For some of us here, we've been dormant in church for a long time. We have stopped serving for a while. And I feel like this tugging in my heart to say this, it's time for you to give your abundance. You have plenty. Give to the Lord, because the Lord, you know, would be so pleased if you actually do that. You know, I just want to share, even as we move on, there is, you know, like, sorry, I kind of lost my notes. There you go. Okay, so the most grateful people are the most generous people. Amen? Do you have plenty that you are not sharing? Think about that. Do you have a lot but you are not giving. May not be finances, it could be time, skills, knowledge. Everyone say, don't be Nabal. Don't be foolish. Don't get even. Now let's take a look at the life of David, shall we? David here, he repays evil for evil and he is labeled as Average, come on. You know, all this while we've been, you know, reading about David. He's so amazing. He spared Saul's life. And then he's been saying, do not touch the Lord's anointed. He's been scoring good goals for a very long time. Until he hit chapter 25. This is when the music suspended. And then became even more like, you know, you know, like cheek cake and stuff like that, right? He just suddenly fell into this category called average. In Gen Z term, he's just mid. Okay, he's like mid, you know, like, what do you mean by that? What do I mean by that? Let's take a look at the response of David uh, towards Nabal when Nabal did not want to share with him. So this is his response. David said to his men, Hiya, you know, he doesn't want to share with me. Each of you, let's do this. Strap on your sword. So all of us did. And David also strapped on his as well. About 400 men went up with David while 200 stayed with the supplies because they don't want to get stolen by bandits and things like that. You know, get this. Thankfully, at that time, there was still one good people, some good people even in that story. And one of the servants actually caught wind that David was going to do that. And what sh this person did was that they, this person, oh, yo, oh my goodness, like we're going to get killed. So I better run to Abigail, you know, the smarter one, you know. He went to, she, she went to Abigail, Nabal's wife, and told her this, you know. David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greetings, but he heard insult at them, like, oh my gosh, you know, like he failed us again, you know. Yet these men were very good to us, you know. They didn't mistreat us, they didn't steal our things. The whole time when we were out at the field, nothing went missing. They could have stolen from us, but they did not. Night and day, they were around us the whole time. They were protecting us like a wall. They were, whenever we were herding our sheep, we were all protected. Now think of it over. 
Are you Abigail? Help us all. We better, you know, need your help. You know, we're going to die because this disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household and that includes us. He is such a wicked man and there is no one who can talk to him. And this is how David responded. David had just said, Haya, it's been useless. All my watching, all the time I protected this fellow's property in the wilderness, nothing went missing. I did everything right. He had paid me back evil for good. Such a wicked, wicked man. May God deal with me because, come on, it is an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth here. Be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one man of all who belong to him. I'm going to kill them all. All right? David is saying here, this is not fair. I wasted all my effort. I did all this and this is how he treat me. It's only fair and expected of him to bless me back because I also have a piece of the pie. I did protect his sheep, right? It is expected to return that favour. I want to have a place on that table. Mm, I want, okay? Expected, you know what expected actually means? Expected means average. There's nothing, you know, spectacular about that because expected, when he doesn't do it, it's not fair. You know, evil for evil in in David's time was actually acceptable because he lived in the old covenant. And in those days, when returning evil for evil is actually okay. We may think that it's a very barbaric move for him to actually do that, but at that time, it is not. Because A, you know, he treated me bad. It is only right for me to attack him back, right? Yeah, we should all go for it. All his men actually went like, yeah, we should totally fight him because it's a disgrace to us. We have helped them and now let's go fight him. That is insulting, come on. Very, very average, very human. In his humanness, he reacted that way. Why do I say that? Let's just observe David's state of mind at a time, okay? You know, at a time, this is what happened to him. He was, at at the start of the scripture, if you remember, he was mourning over the death of Samuel. Samuel died, he was sad, he was disappointed, he was maybe even hungry because he was running away as a fugitive from Samuel, so from, sorry, from Saul, So he was really, very tired, and during that time, he was probably hungry, and it was probably during that time, something like our version of Chinese New Year. It is feasting period. So he felt like, hey, I think I also want to celebrate my Chinese New Year law, so I feel this this person, Nabal, should invite me to his house for reunion, right? Because I help him so much, ma. You know, it is normal. But because of that, you know, like, his state of mind is that he's a hangry man. Anyone met a hangry man before? Hungry and angry? Nobody wants to be near a hungry, angry man, right? If some, a man is hungry, make sure you feed him, okay? If not, wow, it, it will get ugly. You know, because David was hangry, he was at his low state, his, res, his response was through carnality. After a couple of, you know, chapters of praising David, how amazing he is, right? In the end, David is still man at best. You know, recently, I attended this uh, leadership seminar. Uh, A renowned leadership author, John C. Maxwell, actually said this, and it got stuck in my mind. We are just one step away from being stupid. Wow. We are one step away, if I were to rephrase that, from being foolish. 
We are one step away from that sin. We are one step away from that bribery that we're going to take. We are one step away from that misstep to commit adultery. We are one step away from clicking on that pawn site and the list goes on and on and on. What is the cause of that? It got me thinking, what could be the cause of a person falling from top, maybe average, falling downwards, and maybe he might even end up being at the level of being foolish. And I conclude and came to this word that the Lord put in my heart, bitterness. Bitterness means anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly, and there is resentment. It is basically an unresolved anger that remains in continuum in our soul. When you look at this, you know, you would say that, to be honest, there is a little bit of bitterness in every single one of us. How big, how small, only the Lord knows. In case you're not certain, I want to bring you guys to kind of like, maybe like take a quiz, okay? And um, I want to show you a few signs that maybe you might be bitter. You might be bitter if you have these five things. The first one is, you have imaginary arguments in your mind. You know, I wish uh, I can give this person a piece of my mind. Uh. You know, I'm going to scold him when I see him the next time. Uh. I'm going to, you know, just strangle him, you know. Then after that, you realize, actually, it's all inside here. One. It's all inside here. You know, like, it could be your spouse. Please don't look at them, okay? <laughs> it could be your neighbor, your teacher. You know, you, it could be even a politician you've never met before. Just because this person annoys you, you just want to get back at them. You know, we are, you know, our, we are toughest when we are actually in our car, correct or not? You know, when we are car, this person cut you only, and you'll be like, do, 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 do. and then after you come out, you become injured again. But when you're inside the car, no one sees that, that you are your worst because you're, nobody's watching you and you are at your angriest, you're at your most bitter. And the other place is when you are in a shower, when you are upset, you are thinking of all these imaginary arguments that you want to make in your mind. You know, or maybe the greatest comeback is when, you know, like when you just had an argument with a loved one, maybe it's your husband, your wife, then after that you'll be like, yeah, you know, I want to come back stronger later, you know, all this kind of thing. I'm going to score him or whatever. Lah. You know, like the greatest comeback is the next time I'm going to say this, but actually when you see him, nothing come out one. It's all inside. Yeah? So, but don't do that. It is... Think about it, if you have imaginary arguments in your mind, perhaps there is bitterness festering inside of you. The second one, you are easily offended. The key word here is easily, okay? Someone comes up to you, give you a compliment, or maybe they just say a comment to you, especially during Chinese New Year season. Hey, you macam put on weight, eh, oh? Oh yeah, they're like, I'm so offended, actually it's muscle, okay? What are you talking about, you know? I'm so upset. Hey, hey. Uh, last ang pao, ah, last ang pao. Next year, ah, make sure you get married. You know, last one, last one. You know, so don't want to give you ang pao anymore. Please, please go and find someone, okay? When you hear these things, do you get triggered? Do you get triggered by all the small things that people say? You know, I know I meant it as a joke and all that, but hey, sometimes it can be mildly quite true, one, right? You know, the third one is you feel the need to tell someone of what they did. You know, it's like, you know, when you get bitter, it actually bleeds out. It's like a wound that was actually not treated, an unnursed wound. When you're processing a hurt, I'm not saying don't process it or talk, talk it with anyone, but it becomes a habit and all you talk about is that person's wrongdoing towards you. Be watchful and be careful. There could be bitterness inside of you. 
And the other one, the next one is you keep a record of wrongs. You know, we have a record of wrong people from way back when we were in Chinese, you know, primary school in the 90s maybe. You can remember every single detail of the person that did wrong. And this one, uh, women very king one. They're very good at that. They remember everything. Please don't look at your wife right now. Okay? Yeah. Last time, uh, I already told you to do this, but you still do like that. Oh, you know, that kind of thing. You get so upset because you keep record of wrongs all the time. You know, you're like, when you see, you know, it's so sad, you know, sometimes like, you know, recently we just celebrated Chinese New Year, right? I've heard of families who actually kept records of wrong and they never reconcile that they don't even see each other for years. Or sometimes you, have, you are forced to even see them and be in the room with them and all you do inside in your heart is, ah, I don't want to see this person at all. And that is the sign of bitterness festering in you. You know, when bitterness is present, it can give us a flawed and negative perspective of people and also the world. And one of it is church hurts. You know, maybe you have come from a church and you were hurt by a leader. You were hurt by something that happened in your previous church. And, when you, and some people, very sadly, after that incident, they just disappear from the face of the earth and they stop going to church. Basically, in their minds is, all church and Christian people are hypocrites. All war. You know, but think about it. Sometimes we can come to all these kind of conclusions based on just two people. Is that even true? Just take a step back for a bit. And if I could be really brutally honest, are you holding on to something inside of you and it is starting to rot into bitterness? Imagine what it would have looked like if you let go. Don't stop. Don't keep, don't keep counting. And the final one is you start taking it out on other people. And this is actually reflected in David here. You know, we know the story about David where he's been running away from Saul, right? Because he is the anointed one. He cannot touch him. He knows that he can't. And maybe he has come to a point where he's so tired of giving in that he felt that he needs to let this energy out, this frustration inside of him, that he takes it out on another person. And in this case, he wanted to take it out on a bow. You know, how would you know that you are doing that as well? You know, when you go home, how's your day, ah, dear? Okay, ah, don't talk to me, ah. Very annoying, ah. You know, that kind of thing. And when you want to know whether you are bitter and something is festering inside of you, ask your loved ones. How have you been treating your loved one? They will be able to tell you the truth if something is actually festering inside of you. In David's humanness, he reacted averagely. His behavior was predictable. He was very human. It was based on man's standards. But because of his mockery with Nabal, you know, he wanted to get back at him. I want to say this, everyone. Don't be foolish. Come on, everybody say this. Don't be foolish. Don't be average. Come on, say that. Turn to your friend and say, don't be average. Don't be even. Come on. If the Word of God says, don't get even, then what is the God way of treating others? You guys ready to know? All right. Are you guys still good with me so far? All good? Still with me? Awesome. I'm going to come to the best part here. Now we're going to be studying the life and the responses of Abigail. Abigail repaid good for evil and she is called 
admirable. Let's get back to the story. So one of her servants, as, I, as we read just now, knew that David was angry and she quickly just ran to, he, to, to Abigail and told Abigail this, like, you know, you gotta do something because Nabal has messed up and we are gonna all get killed. And what Abigail did was she acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five sears of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins, and 200 cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on a donkey. And then when Abigail saw David, she quickly got off the donkey and bowed before David with her face on the ground. Wow, what a beautiful posture. This part is so rich, you know why? because she's the wife of a wealthy man. And she literally just bowed down to a fugitive. And this totally catches David off guard. And when she did that, she began to treat David as if he was already the man that she hoped for him to be. Her posture was a prophecy towards his destiny because in her mind, she knows this man is going to be king. Wow. You know, here's the tip for ladies here. Huh? I was told this works on every man one, you know, especially those who are actually married, you know, because they are hunters, they are also protectors. You know, one of the key love language for all men is words of affirmation. It makes them feel respected, you know? You just need to say things like, Wow, you know what? Uh, you can carry 10 chairs, right? I believe actually you can carry 20, oh! Come on, you can carry 20 chairs, right? Wow, the men will be like, oh, okay, okay, I'm going to carry 20 chairs, you know, things like that. You know, these are, you know, I'm not saying this as a, you know, I know I meant it as a joke, but the truth of the matter is affirmation goes a long way. You know, she's so smart. What she did was she began to speak into David's potential. She began to look past what he was just about to do, but speak into the future. You know, it says here in scripture, then she told her servant, go ahead, I will follow you. And she did not tell her husband about, smart woman, good job, you know. And she came riding her donkey into the mountain ravine where, where there were David and his men descending towards her, and then she met them. And what she did was this, you know, she fell at his feet and said, Pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay to, no attention, my Lord, to my wicked husband. He cannot one. You know, he's just like his name. He's a fool. He's a folly. A folly always goes with him. And as for me, your servant, I did not see the man my Lord sent. So, and now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives, and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from the avenging yourselves with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal, like my husband, useless one. You know, and let this gift which your, your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the man who follows you. You know the word she used? My servant. I am your servant. She's not his servant, but she chose to be subservient and lowered herself towards, towards him. You know, she gave him credit for him being the better man that he actually is. She says here, please forgive your servant's presumptions. You know, please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battle. 
and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. She speaks to his future. God is up to something great. He was up to something great in David's life, and I believe that God is speaking to someone here today as well, that God is up to something great in you. He has a plan for your life. God has a future for you, and because of that, you ought to fight God's battle, and we pray that no wrongdoing shall be found in you for as long as you live. You are not a wrongdoer. You are a good man. Come on, I want to say this. Turn to someone and say this. You are not a wrongdoer. You are a good man. You are a good woman. Amen. You know, even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in a bundle of, of the living by the Lord your God. So she, what she did here was that she's actually describing David's life and he's saying that your life is like a purse, like a wallet, bound even in the pocket of, you know, God's belt, you know. She used incredible imageries to describe what her, his life is ought to look like, you know, for his life is secure. His life is bound and hidden in the hands of God. And I pray that that is truth to you as well. And she does not want to see him, you know, fall into this mistake, to fall from being average to becoming a fool. You know, his life is more than that. Because imagine if he actually fell from being average to a fool, this is going to be a mark that will mark a story, maybe it's not going to sound the same even in chapter 25, it's going to sound like another Bathsheba story. You know, scripture here says, you know, but the lives of your enemies, he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. Wow, she is so smart, she's so brilliant. She actually takes David back to the moment when he was 15 years old facing Goliath. Abigail reminded him that, David, you are a God, you're a guy, you're a man who is actually constantly dependent on God. Remember that. Do not lose that and do it again. He, she reminded him that he was completely dependent on God at that time and he did not take matters into his own hands. And now she is speaking to his future again and said that, David, don't fall from average to becoming a fool. My role here is, I'm going to try to pull you up to the top. Don't fall from average to becoming a fool. What kind of person do you want to be remembered for? That is essentially what Abigail is actually saying to David. What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind when someone talks about you in your, you know, like in your eulogy? What kind of story do you want to leave behind? David when he was looking back at, at this incident, what do you want to tell people if that is the only story you can tell about your life? Friends, think about that as well. Don't be average. Don't be foolish. Because that is going to mark a history and a story and a legacy that will be stuck with you for life. You know, and, you know what kind of person do you want to be remembered for? Think about that. You know, in 1 Samuel 25, it says, When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing He has promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience a staggering burden of needless bloodshed. I don't want that, you know, in my history book. Or, or have, having avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord success, remember your servant. 
What do you want to do with your life that will create a permanence that people will remember you for? And I believe she's saying to David, I know you will change your mind. You are a good man. You are a good man. I want to say to someone here in this room, maybe no one has affirmed you this, you're a good man. You're a good woman. You know, David's response here, he says, David said to Abigail, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. You know, you know, then David accepted her, you know, and of course said that, you know, go home in peace and I've heard your word and granted your request. You know, David, right, I want to give him some credit here. Even though at that time he was average, but thanks be to God, he chose to level up and became admirable. He, he could have refused that decision, you know. He could have said, oh, yeah, I'm not going to listen to you and I'm going to keep fighting him. But thanks be to God, he is still, there's still some softness in his heart. There is still some, you know, some sense of the Lord in him that he chose to not take this decision within his hands. He came to his senses and he chose to let go. Thankfully, he listened. Church, friends, are you listening? Is there an Abigail in your life that is either shouting in your ears and telling you, don't do it! Or perhaps it could be a soft whisper. You know, David was average, but because of Abigail, Abigail pulled him up to be above reproach. He did not remain average, but he became admirable. Pay attention to your own life. You know, maybe there is a voice. It could be a friend. It could be even your parents. It could be your colleague or even your pastor, or maybe today's sermon, I'm being your Abigail today, and telling you, don't do it. You are a good man. You are a good woman. Turn to your friend next to you and say it in their name and say, you are not foolish. You are not average. You are admirable. Pastor Isaac, you're not foolish. You are not average. You are admirable, amen? Don't get even. The decision is still in your hands. You can either go up or you can fall down. Or you want to stay average? Please don't stay there. It's either you level up to become admirable or you're going to fall flat and become foolish. And I learned this word recently. Take the higher road. Scripture says here, you know, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessings because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Amen? Repay good for evil. And I want to quote this phrase that Pastor Chu recently shared with us even in our staff refresh. He said this, Storms in life are inevitable. It reveals the depth of our faith, the convictions of our heart, our commitment and our reserves. And as I was pondering about this particular phrase, I concluded it with one revelation for myself. It reveals the depth of your maturity in Christ. You know, storms can come in many forms, and for me, it came this way. Can I share a story? Yeah. So, 
when the year started out for me, it was a lot, of, a lot of things happened because there was a lot of transition that was actually taking place even in our church, right? We all know that. And of course, there were also transitions that took place for my own uh, work, you know, my own responsibilities, my portfolio. And there were also some roles that I needed to let go of um, because, you know, like I believe it's also a new season for me. And now, um, in case you're unaware, I'm actually uh, pastoring the campus community. So, uh, so that is a relatively new portfolio for me. And because, because of the weight of responsibility that I need to carry, I needed to let go of some other responsibilities that I had. And um, it was through those moments that I realized that a lot of um, insecurities started to fester in me. That, um, you know, I started entertaining thoughts whether um, I was good enough or uh, maybe I messed up or I'm not good enough. There are moments where I've doubted myself and a lot of all these emotions started eating up in me. And when New Year's came, I actually got COVID, okay? And first, I, I was welcomed by the New Year, Happy New Year, Miranda, and I got COVID during the first week. And I was stuck in the room in quarantine and of course, during that time, I had a lot of time to ponder. And I realized that as I was alone in the room, I went on a downward spiral. I started entertaining anger, self-doubt, disappointment, and it almost came to a point where I almost wanted to give up. Um, uh, I had conversations even with, thankfully, Pastor Lee Ju, and she knows that, that I even said very, I think, unpleasant words that I felt that I was not proud of, that I wanted to give up. I really wanted to retaliate over my own maybe um, untruths that I was entertaining in my mind. I wanted to fight back. I was angry because it was uncalled for. I don't know why I felt that way, but I realized that God was actually dealing something deeper in my heart. And I even started to take it out on my campus students. I think they started seeing a very ugly side of me. They'd be like, yeah, why pastor were so annoyed easily one and <laughs> things like that and then I was like I was just snappy it's like yeah why she's so mangzang one you know kind of thing and um, then I realized that I really didn't like the person that I was becoming and you know God has a very funny sense of humor one you all know that right he made me preach this sermon <laughs> right you know I want to be tried by fire Purify, be careful when you pray this kind of prayer, you sing this kind of song, purify our Laila, fire will come, all right? So I felt that I was put, you know, into fire. I felt the Lord said to me, my daughter, storms are to test you. And I was led to this scripture here in James. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Everybody say mature and complete. Mature and complete and not lacking anything. And I was led to this image in my mind, you know, like God revealed to me, you know, during Chinese New Year, I was playing with my little two-year-old nephew a lot and I had to bend down to be at his level to talk to him and sometimes he sits on his little cute kiddish chair and I realized sometimes that when he actually wants things, he just demands for it. I mean, that's what kids do, right? You know, when they are young, when they are unaware, they are immature. And it's a little bit like how David responded, right? It's like, I have the right to have a seat on the table. And that is how a kid responds. And the Lord told me this, you know, Miranda, 
come and sit on the higher table. Not everybody can sit on the adult table, right? you know Chinese New Year, right? We sit on the adult table and I was led to read the scripture in Psalm 23. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know, you can only sit on the higher table when you are mature, that you are able to sit in the presence of your enemies with your eyes straight looking up upwards towards your heavenly father, fighting your battles. You know, friends, are you still sitting on the kiddie table or are you gonna sit on the high table? Take the higher road. God is still at work in you, just like how David is tested because he was tested so that he can be purified by fire, so that he can be ready to become the king. And I believe that the Lord is also preparing some of us. And for me, as I was reflecting upon my journey when I was going down on a downward spiral, the Lord was so kind that he actually led an Abigail to come and speak with me. And this person called me from Singapore, of all places. And, you know, she, she called me and said this, you know, Miranda, I just felt led to call you because this morning, the Lord asked me to pray for you. And I want to call you to let you know that, Miranda, you and your team in campus are doing a fantastic job. And I was like, what? Like, why? Why do you actually even make that effort to do that? And say, I don't know. There was just this tugging in my heart to do that. Campus students, good job. You know, like, um, and, and I was probing a little bit more and asking her why. And she said, hey, you know, like, look at your social media space, your, your IG account, your, your um, Instagram account. It is going viral and it actually reached Singapore and something is happening in that space. And I was like, huh? And then I was a little bit shocked and at the same time, I wasn't really aware of it until I went and take a look. This was just recently, it happened on Wednesday and there is this spike of growth in our social media account where we first started off with, I don't know, about 500 followers or something like that. And in the span of less than one week, we grew to 2,000 followers. I'm not saying this because I was, wow, we are so amazing or what, because what I did and I told her was like, hey, actually, we don't know what we're doing on eh? We just simply one, actually, we just simply and just whack on Nila, you know, see what happens and things like that. But I remember how she corrected me and it left an imprint in my heart. She said, Miranda, stop saying that. You have authority. Your people have authority. And the Lord has anointed that space for you and you need to take charge of that space. Because young people, where are they consuming information from? Social media. And, and like, it hit very differently for me when I was looking at this, you know, in case you, you, you know, you could see, oops, you know, like you can see this here, right? Like there's this 516,000, almost half a million views here. This is actually a video that we made, um, it, it, you know, it appeared to be a, you know, Christian pickup line jokes and things like that, right? We didn't think it would actually go viral because we thought it was very uh, normal, lah. you know, we're just having fun and things like that. And it started viraling just last week. And it started hitting countries like Singapore, Indonesia, I don't know, you name it. And people are commenting and say, wow, so funny, very interesting. And you have a very fun church. And you can read the comments. And I was just utterly surprised and shocked. And, and I realized that the Lord is revealing this and said that, you know, all these people who are actually coming in to your social media account, it's like them, you ushering them even into the space of God. 
Because when they follow you, essentially, they are receiving from you. And, and what hit really very different for me was when I was looking at these, these ones that I circled here. You know, these are faith-based content. It was, a, you know, it was something that we thought about as a campus student and we were thinking like, should we actually record our campus night talks and things like that? It was by faith and we were like, we don't even have the resources, we don't have the people to do it. We were like, you know what? We need to get the word of God out there on the digital space because the young people are consuming it. So we did it by faith and we were thinking, ah yeah, even if two people watch, ah, better than nothing lah, huh? Sometimes we don't know, like I remember Elise was joking and saying, ah why put so much effort sometimes? Like we also don't know whether 200 people will watch or not, or less than 200, maybe two people watch only. But the Lord affirmed us and it hit very different when this was on Wednesday and Thursday, I believe, all these contents started viraling, including the faith-based content. And because I had so little faith at that time, I didn't expect this to burst that way. And I'm not saying this out of pride, but I'm saying this out of thankfulness to God that I, was just, I just felt so affirmed because I didn't know what I was doing, or rather, we all didn't know what we were doing. But I felt like the Lord sent an Abigail to come and speak with us and say, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing the right thing because you're impacting lives, you're influencing people. And when I looked at the faith-based content, it hit different. And I actually cried when I looked at it, when I saw the numbers kept going up. Basically, what he's saying is that the Word of God is going out to young people. Young people are watching. And I can't wait to see what God can do even in this space. And I pray this prayer, God, keep us humble. Keep us humble not because we are proud. Keep us humble not because we are capable. Keep us humble so that we will not fall from being average to becoming foolish, but stay admirable. Amen. You know, um, wow. Are you guys still good? You guys still good with me? I'm going to end right now, and I want to end with stories. You guys okay with stories, ah? Anyone wants to know what happened to my friend in Australia? <laughs> okay. So, um, okay, I'll share with you guys the ending, okay? So, of course, I had to leave Australia because um, the Lord called me back to Malaysia um, for various reasons. So, um, I needed to end my tenure with this company. And before I left, um, I was led to write notes to my colleagues because I, I really like writing, writing notes, la, like I'm a words person and um, I wrote notes to all my colleagues to kind of like say my farewell and goodbyes to them and um, when it came to her, honestly, I really don't feel like writing law. I'm like, why would you deserve a note from me when you really treated me like that, right? And um, it was actually months of wrestling in my heart and actually I finally decided, you know, because the Word of God reminded me, you know, obeying God is not dependent on your feelings. Feelings may come and go, but obeying God is based on His commands. The truth is you don't always feel like doing something one, true or not? You don't feel like doing certain things, but when you do it, that is the kind of obedience that the Lord is pleased with. You know, we should never make emotions our master but we need to make God our master so that your will is always above your feelings and your emotions. You know, many people don't mature because spiritually they are dependent on their feelings. They are like infants because they depend on their feelings. And the Lord challenged me and I believe that He wanted me to grow and He wanted me to mature. And of course, during that time, I relented and I decided, lah, okay, lah, I write her note. Lah. 
thank you so much for being a good colleague to me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I did that, okay? And then, of course, I passed all the notes to all my other colleagues, and then when it comes to giving it to her, I was kind of low-key trembling a little bit, like, because it's very awkward to actually face her. And I went and gave her the notes, and I remembered that I gave her a box of chocolate, Ferrero Rocher's. And then, of course, like, it was a happy ending, happily ever after. I'm kidding. Actually, it didn't. Okay? She didn't accept me as a friend uh, because I don't know what was his reaction. I think she was maybe surprised, shocked, and then I just left because I was too, too embarrassed or afraid to keep talking to her. And um, I don't know how she felt about that gesture, but all I felt at the time after I left that company was that I was the one that was set free. I was set free from unforgiveness, I was set free from bitterness towards her, and I feel that that was true freedom that I've experienced because I obeyed the Lord. You know, the Word of God says, when you abide in His Word, then only you are truly my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen? Wow. You know, incidentally, you know, want to hear a very funny thing again, God also, again, he's a very funny God. I found out that the apartment that both of us lived in, the road was called High Street. High Road, whoa, okay? It was called High Street. Take the higher road, everyone. What kind of story do you want to tell? You know, friends, I'm a work in progress. I'm still overcoming. I am still struggling. And I believe many of us here too, this story is not just applicable to me, and I believe that it is also applicable to many one of us. We are still overcoming, but I want to take the higher road. I'm still a work in progress. I don't want to be average. Anyone here wants to be average? No, right? I don't want to be foolish as well, right? Let's not be foolish, but let's be admirable. Be admirable. And it hit me so differently because I felt like the Lord reminded me of this story so that the Lord is saying to me, Miranda, depend on me and do it again. Do it again. Remember that you took the high road last time. This time, take the high road again. Don't be average. Don't be foolish, but be admirable. And it hit me differently because I was reminded that my name means worthy of admiration. What do you want to be remembered for? I hope, I hope I can be admired. I hope I can live, not live a life of a fool. I do not want to live a life of being average, but I want to live a life admirable. And I pray that is your prayer as well. Everybody say fool. Average, be admirable. Amen. You know, the ultimate person that is the one that is admirable is Jesus Christ, our Lord. We all know this, right? In scripture here, it says, you know, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Don't get even. Don't be foolish. Come on, everybody say this. Don't be foolish. Don't be average. Be admirable. Amen. 
I want to end here and I feel like I just really want to pray even right now that I sense even in my heart that some of you here you are at this point of giving up that you want to give up and you want to give in just like how David did that you want to get even with this person that has wronged you I felt like today I'm your Abigail and telling you don't be average don't be foolish be admirable take the higher road if you have a grudge in your heart I want to pray for someone here I felt that you may be feeling bitter and it has become so bitter that it's festering and it's even showing even in your attitude and in your ref the reflection of your actions and the Lord says let go if that's you later on we're going to open the altar and I just really want to encourage you to even come forward and our leaders will pray for you Amen don't hold that grudge in your heart for some of you here you may feel really empty inside that you want the grace of God to come to you because you don't have that grace to give to people that you you want to forgive but you can't but I want to encourage you that it's because Jesus has bore your sins on the cross and he has forgiven you he has given you much and because you have that forgiveness you can forgive as well and the Lord wants you to take the higher road rise to our feet even as we worship and as we worship I want to just open the altar for our leaders to even come forward and if any of the word that has spoken to you today and the Lord is tugging your spirit the Holy Spirit is like Abigail speaking to you and he wants you to respond he's calling you to come forward and come and confess come and let go let go of that because the Word of God says when you abide in my word then you are truly my disciples and then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free come on let's worship together <laughs>